It's hard to believe that next Sunday, Action Church will turn 13 years old. That's crazy. 13 years. And y'all have put up with me for a long time. Let me rephrase that. Next Sunday, we legally turn 13. We met for about five months illegally in this building, in the parking lot. We would show up every week and take the red tag. If you don't know what a red tag is, a construction, that means the building has been locked down and you're not allowed in it because we were doing illegal construction because we didn't know better. We'd meet in here, and I, I found some pictures the other day, or someone actually sent me a picture the other day. Maybe I'll post it this week. It was insane. We had no working restrooms in here. Matter of fact, we were on the other side. We didn't have this side of the building. And man, it has been a wild ride. The stories that we could tell, we've made national news for suggesting that we do a clean needle exchange. We've had protesters out there over stuff. We've had death threats. We had Homeland Security show up in the building one time. Lots and lots and lots of rumors. We've run enough people off from this church to stock every church in town. And yet here we are. God's done some incredible things here. Hundreds and hundreds of people have come to know Christ. Marriages have been restored. Addicts have been clean. Relationships have been healed. I added it up the other day. We have fed almost 13,000 people just through Give Canton the Bird. That doesn't include the monthly food pantry. It doesn't include the emergency warming shelter that we've run. God is doing something special here in the ghetto of Canton. We said from day one we wanted to be a church for our city, in our city. It was never going to be about bells and whistles. It was never going to be about big buildings. It was never going to be about building monuments to ourselves. It was about being the hands and feet of Jesus and living out the name Action Church. And I think we've done that. We've screwed up along the way. We have messed up along the way. We have done things wrong along the way. We have probably hurt people along the way unintentionally. But in the midst of all that, God has been good to this church. As we were coming up on this anniversary, I knew that we wanted to take the month of November and kind of do what we like to call, or I like to call, an insider focus series. 99% of everything we do is focused on outsiders. We want people, no matter where they're at in their life, atheists, new Christians, don't believe in God, still trying to figure out their faith. We want them to come in and understand that God loves them and God has a plan for their life. And we want them to be able to understand that the Bible is simple to understand. And so week after week after week, we take the practicality of the Bible and we let it apply to their lives. I want people to leave here, even if they don't believe there's a God, I want them to leave here knowing, man, I can apply those principles to my life and my life can be better because of that. But this month we decided to just do a little refresher course for those who call Action Church home. We don't do membership around here because that seems like a formality. The problem is when you become a member somewhere, you expect special treatment because you're the member. You get no special treatment here once you become an insider. Actually, once you become an insider, it no longer becomes about you. It becomes about us partnering together to reach more outsiders. But we wanted to do a series that just reminds you kind of the who, what, when, where, and why of what we do around here. I don't know if they have this picture ready, but I have showed you every week a picture of the table in our house. And I've told you that's my favorite room in the house. It's where we gather together. It's where company comes into our home. It's where we share meals. It's where we laugh. It's where we cut up. And memory and community happens around that table. Happened this last Thursday on Thanksgiving. Several of you were there with us, and we, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to spend that holiday with us. But I told you as I was thinking about that table, it got me thinking about Action Church, and in a lot of ways, we are the table of this community. That's our goal. That's our vision. That's our heartbeat, is to be the table of this community. We want life to happen at 261 Marietta Road. 
We want people to know that no matter where they're at, no matter what hurts, habits, and hangups, no matter what they're going through, no matter who they feel doesn't love them, they can come here and there's a place they can call home. It's the table. I take pride in the fact of what we've created here. I take pride in the fact that I get to be your pastor. I take pride in the fact that you show up Sunday after Sunday and you buy into the vision that we feel God has for us, that it's not about traditions and it's not about denominationalism and it's not about the way church has always been done, but it's about being raw and authentic and letting people know no matter what it is you're going through, take away all of the BS of religion, it's about Jesus. And so we've went through some principles over the last couple of weeks that dictate that table in my home, but they also dictate how we run things right here. Some principles that guide us, if you will. I call them guardrails. Guardrails are important because they they make sure you don't go off the road. And it's really easy, especially in the church world, to go off the road. It's really easy because it's human nature. It's really easy for me, for us to become insider-focused and to become about our preferences. It's not about our preferences. It's about doing whatever it takes to reach those that are far from God. The first week we talked about this principle, everyone is welcome at the table. We said it doesn't matter someone's background, it doesn't matter their skin color, their social standing, their sexual preference, they're welcome at this table. We said if you have an issue with that, you're still welcome at the table, but it might not be the table for you. We're unapologetic in that. We talked about the second week that there's always room for one more at the table. That we will always do whatever it takes to make room for one more person who needs a place to call home. If we have to add another chair, we'll add another chair. If we take down the curtains, we'll take down the curtains. If the time comes where we have to add another service, we'll add another service. Someone say, well, how big are we going to get? We're going to get as big as God wants us to get. We don't really worry about that. I couldn't tell you how many people show up here every week. I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me. If one shows up, we're going to have church. If a thousand show up, we're going to have church. When Christmas Eve comes and we do our rocking Christmas Eve service like we do every year and it's standing room only here, we're going to do church. Just what we do. I just don't like a big church. What are you going to do when you get to heaven? You know? Last week we talked about we serve the best food at the table and I just kind of reminded you that this book guides our paths. That there's power in this book. There's life change in this book. Over the last month we've talked about the how of what we're going to do. Today I want to talk to you and give you the reminder of the why we do it. We've talked about the how of what we're going to do, but there's a why behind what we do. The reason we feel so strongly about the vision of this church and we feel so strongly about the vision of the table is because we believe, and listen, this is going to alienate some of you and you're going to say we're closed-minded and I hope you at least bear with me to the end of the message today. It's because we believe there's only one way to heaven. And we're going to do whatever we can to make sure people hear about that way. It's really easy sometimes to get caught up at Action Church and the loud music and the smart aleck preacher and how we kind of go against the norm and we really aren't your grandma's church and, and get caught up in all that and just forget that at the end of the day, With everything that we are, we 100% believe that eternity hangs in the balance in what we do. We believe there's a place called heaven, there's a place called hell. Not only do we believe there's a heaven and a hell, but we believe there's only one way to heaven. There's a lot of ways to hell, but one way to heaven. The Bible says in Matthew 17, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The Bible says the way to heaven is a narrow way. Now here's the funny thing about that. It's not a complicated way. It's not a hard way. But there's only one way. This kind of 
flies in the face of a lot of people. It, it contradicts what they believe, or let me rephrase that. It contradicts what they want to believe about heaven. We want to thank our works, our good deeds get us there. There's not a one of us here, and I don't know who the nicest person here you think is, Tanya May. And I love Tanya May. But not even Tanya's good deeds outweigh the bad deeds. I saw the mean side of Tanya this morning, actually. I'm going to throw her under the bus right now because in 13 years I've never gotten to. Xander was late. For the first time ever in 13 years, and her pet project, her, her adopted son Xander suddenly was my problem. He's yours. See, the minute Xander messed up, she kicked him to the curb. Xander, I'm here for you no matter what, buddy. Our good deeds will never outweigh our bad deeds. We think if we do that, we think if we, think if we give enough money to the church. And boy, the church has kind of fed that, haven't they? Church has made the church about money. We say the right things, do the right things, wear the right things. We know the secret handshake and the Christianese language that you're supposed to use when you walk in the door. Everything will work out. The problem is, though, that kind of contradicts what the Bible says about there being only one way. The Bible makes it very clear, and you cannot argue, and there's a lot of things that you can argue about the Bible. There's a lot of doctrines that nobody will agree on because they've argued with over thousands of years and we'll never find out the right answer until we get to heaven and we'll find out we were all wrong. But the one thing the Bible makes it very clear on is there's only one way to heaven and it's through Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. That's actually what makes Christianity different than a religion. We don't have a religion here. We have a relationship. Religion is selfish. Religion is about me and what do I get out of it and what do I do to earn it. Religion is about if I do enough good things, if my good outweighs my bad, if I get enough karma stored up, I'll be good. And what religion does is it produces selfish people who think they're better than other people because they think they've earned their way into whatever it is they think eternity is. Christianity is about a relationship. It's not about what we do. It's about what Christ did. But we have this tendency to throw it in with other religions. Christianity, what separates it is it's the only Religion, not based on works. Here's the reality of that situation. Things that are different are not the same. Someone said, do you think it's the only right way? Well, I just say things that are different are not the same. So if this group believes this, and 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 they're all different, they can't all be the same. It's just not how it works. I know this is hard in 2023, but sometimes we have to use some common sense. Things that are different are not the same. The major religions and others and their founders are basically the same. If you live a good life, you earn your way into heaven. The problem is, is no one can define what a good life is. Like is a good life feeding the poor and doing this but not doing this. or I just don't know what the combination is for living a good life. Nobody can dictate to me what good is. How many good deeds do I have to do as opposed to bad deeds? Because I can do some bad deeds. In case you didn't know that. So what's the formula? There is no formula. It doesn't add up. Christianity comes along and it says you put your faith and your trust in God. You put your faith and trust in not what you've done, but what he did. Christianity is the only major religion where the founder of it actually claimed to be God. Buddha didn't claim to be God. Muhammad didn't claim to be God. Joseph Smith didn't claim to be God. 
But Jesus comes on the scene, and he's teaching, and he's healing, and he's drawing crowds, and he makes this audacious claim that he's God. He says in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And then he makes a very bold statement. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. People tell me all the time that the Bible's complicated and they don't understand the Bible. Listen to me with all due respect. There's nothing complicated about that. I didn't say you have to agree with it, but there's nothing complicated about that statement. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father. No one. Nobody, zilch, nada, no one. Not 99%, no one. Not 1%, zero. No one comes to the Father except through me, meaning him. That's a big statement. That's a statement that you better be able to back up. That's a statement that doesn't leave much room for interpretation. It says nobody comes to the Father. It doesn't mean if you're white with blonde hair and blue eyes, you get a pass. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what kind of father you are or what kind of businessman you are or what kind of husband you are. It doesn't mean if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. It means no one comes to God according to Jesus except through him. Now, what I'm going to say might sound a little sacrilegious. And it might even sound a little hypocritical from someone like me who's been accused of this in their life. That is a cocky statement. That's an arrogant statement. That is a bold statement. That would be like me standing up here on this stage and saying, you know what? I am the greatest preacher who ever lived. And if you don't accept Christ through my preaching, it doesn't count. It's that kind of arrogance. It's that kind of cocky. Matter of fact, I feel pretty confident that I got up here and you actually believed me, believed that I believed what I was saying and I made that statement, most of you would walk out of here. You'd be like, Gary's lost his marbles more than normal. We knew he was cocky, but it's out of control. We knew that he was smug, but it is out of control. We knew he was arrogant, but it is out of control. He literally thinks he's the greatest preacher who ever existed. And if you didn't get accept, if you didn't accept Christ under his preaching, you're going to hell. Every one of you would leave, including probably Christine. But that's what he said. He drew a line in the sand right here, actually. He left zero doubt about where he stood right here. I was reading an article one time by C.S. Lewis. Many of you know C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia. But he also wrote a lot of articles and books on theology. He was a very biblical person. And he wrote an article one time where he talks about this statement and the arrogance of this statement. And he came along and said, there's only three people that would make a statement like this. He said, there's only three types of people that would make a statement like this. And again, that good old common sense has to dictate that for a man to make one of these statements, he has to fall under one of those categories. 
So we're going to look at those categories today, and we're going to decide what kind of person Jesus was. Because if he's two of those categories, then what we're doing as a table is useless and worthless. But if he falls under the other category, and we believe he is who he says he is, then what we do here is of eternal significance, and we should take it that serious. So what kind of person makes this kind of statement? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, Jesus made the statement, so first thing he could be is he could be a liar. That made you uncomfortable, didn't it? For me to even insinuate that Jesus is a liar... Not a lot of amens on that one. But a person who makes a claim like that, will you put that verse back up, please, Xander? And that verse is not true, or that claim is not true, then that would make him a liar. A person who lies is a what? Come on, talk to me. I know you're a white church, but it's okay to talk back to the preacher. A person who makes lies is a what? Right. I could get up here all day long and say, man, I am Phil May. And I'd be lying. My phone doesn't play rap music. I'm not Phil May. I don't have great hair like Phil. I'm not Phil May. I can't sing. But the funny thing is, is my phone could play rap music, I could have long hair and I could sing and I still wouldn't be Phil May. (laughs) If I get up here and I claim to be anybody but Gary Lamb, I'd be lying. So if Jesus is not who he claims to be here, the way, the truth, and the life, if he claims... He's the only way to heaven, and that's not true. Then the first option is he has to be a liar. And if what he says is not true, I'd have to put him up there with some of the shadiest used car salesmen in the world. Because that's a bold statement. It's almost sleazy-esque. When a person lies, it's hard to trust them in any area. You know how I know that? Because I've lied to people before. And when you lie to someone, when it takes a long time to build their trust, and I'm fully convinced you can never 100% get their trust back. You might get 99.9% of it back, but there will always be a 0.1% that doesn't fully trust you. Trust can be rebuilt, but in the back of your mind, you'll always be wondering. I have people that I've lied to, and I can see it. They love me. I believe they believe in me now. They, I believe I've even rebuilt their trust. But there's moments when they wonder if I'm telling the truth. So if Jesus is lying about this, and this statement's not true, then let's throw this book away. Let's be honest, if he's lying, let's not do this anymore. It's too much work. I like all of you. I like hanging out all the time. But I'm in the event business. I put on events for a living, which means every Friday and Saturday I'm working. This is the last place I want to be on Sunday if that statement's a lie. You say, we all like hanging out. Well, let's go find somewhere else to hang out. But don't call, it's not so much work. Putting sermons together every week's work. Making sure that stuff back there works every week's work. Making sure this building's cleaned up is work for people. Doing this thing is work. You say, yeah, but we do so much good in the community. Then let's go, let's go form a 501c3 and be a nonprofit and just serve the community and get rid of this part of it. I'm intrigued on what it would be like to sleep in on a Sunday. I've heard rumors about it. I've heard there's this thing that exists on television. Before an NFL game comes on, called a pregame show. 
I've never seen it. I didn't know it existed. I've heard that some people sleep in on Sunday mornings and then get up and go do breakfast. That sounds amazing. I didn't know stuff like that existed. I heard that there's a group of people who don't care how late they stay out on Saturday night because they don't have to get up early on Sunday morning and get ready for a sermon. I'm intrigued by these people. So my point is, if this is a lie, then let's become like those people. Life would be simpler. Problem is, is history just doesn't prove this to be the case. No one, not even an atheist, will argue that there was not a person named Jesus Christ who lived. They might not believe he's the son of God. But history tells us there was a man. And history tells us that there was a good man. Never heard anybody, any historian or anything I've ever read say Jesus Christ was not a good man. He lived, he walked the earth, he taught, crowds loved him. He was influential. History proves no one will deny that he was crucified. You can't be a good man and be a liar. So if he was lying, history would be rewritten in a way. I did a funeral one time for a tough dude, man. He was tough. And I knew the guy ahead of time, and I knew his relationship with his kids. It was horrible. I knew his relationship with his wife. It was horrible. His wife told me one time he's the biggest liar that I've ever met in my life. He beat her, he cheated on her, he was a drunk, he was a racist, he was hate-filled. <laughs> I'll never forget her funeral. She goes, but under it all, he's a good man. No, he wasn't. He was a dead man. And somehow we turn dead people into saints no matter how sorry they were. It's amazing to me. He was a crappy man. If a man's going around claiming to be God and he's not God, then he's a liar and a liar can't be a good man. But all records indicate he was a good man. I scoured history books trying to find people saying something negative about him. If Jesus made these claims knowing he wasn't God, (laughs) then he was lying to followers, deceiving them. He would also be not only a liar, he'd be a hypocrite. He'd be a guy who told others to be honest, yet wasn't honest himself. But again, the views of Jesus just don't dictate that he was a liar. I can't buy into it. From what we know of his life and his teachings, whenever Jesus has been proclaimed, lives have been changed. Nations have repented at the name of Jesus. Thieves have gone straight, alcoholics have tossed out their bottles. Hateful individuals have become channels of love. Someone who's had life results like that, it'd be hard to call him a liar. Jesus said he was the only way to heaven. Someone the other day asked me about a friend they had that was a Muslim, and they said, what do you think about them going to heaven? I was going to answer it. You start talking about the truth of Jesus, distractions pop up. So we think about my Muslim friend. I said, well, if they believe in Jesus, they'll be okay. So what do you mean? If they believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died for their sins, they'll be okay. I said, well, I don't think he believes that. And I said, then I don't think they'll go to heaven. They said, that's very narrow-minded. I said, I'm not trying to be narrow-minded. They said, so you're saying he's not a good man? I said, I don't know him. He's probably a really good man from what you've told me. But good's not good enough. How good is good? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
We live in a day where everyone wants to be included and feel made to be special. And I get that. And we ought to love all people. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we're here to love people regardless. But truth is truth. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, you're narrow-minded. This is what Jesus said. He said, are you... Now the phone's barking like a dog. I'm going to throw it, and I don't want to throw someone in the band's phone, so I'm going to take it backstage real quick. No one's backstage. So whoever's phone that was. You know the problem is it's on this side of the stage, too. I can't even blame Party, because normally I'd blame Party for that. Like, you know it's a crazy Sunday when Party's not the culprit. Another question is, why would he lie? Like, what did he benefit from it? People literally hated him because he made this claim. So why would you lie about it? He ended up being crucified because of this claim. <laughs> Listen, I've known some liars in my life. I ain't ever met anybody who's willing to die for their lie. Never. But Jesus died. He was crucified. So why would he lie? He wasn't crucified because he was a good teacher. He wasn't crucified because he had a following. He wasn't crucified because he performed miracles. He was crucified because he made an exclusive claim. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. That's a hardcore lie. So he could be a liar. I will admit that it's a possibility. It just doesn't add up to me. Common sense doesn't dictate. You say, why is this message important? It's important. It's not one of our normal practical messages, but it's important. Because sometimes we need to remember the who of what we do. The why Behind what we do. We don't do it because we're bored. We don't do it because we have nothing better to do. We do it because there's a man named Jesus. And we don't believe he was a liar. So C.S. Lewis said he could be one of three things. He said he could be a liar. He said he could be a lunatic. I mean, think about it. Some dude rolls up on you and tells you he is God. He's probably crazy. You're going to assume he's crazy. I was actually down here at the church about two years ago, and a guy rolled up in this church. He introduced himself to me. I said, well, it's nice to meet you. He said, I'm God. I said, you are. He said, I am. I said, well, nice to meet you. And then he began to tell me everything that we were doing wrong as a church. I just kept thinking, if you were God, why do you only have three teeth and nothing against anybody with three teeth? But if I was God, I'm going to have shiny white teeth that are straight. That's just how I'm going to roll as God. But obviously he didn't want to roll like that. But he told me he was God and he was sent here to correct me. And then he informed me he would be teaching at our church on Sunday. And I said, no, you won't. Then he began to ramble and talk crazy. And suddenly I came to my senses and realized he's not God. He's a lunatic. He had me confused there for a moment. Which was good, because I was really going to be upset if God smelled that bad. Now listen, I've pastored this church for 13 years. I've met some crazy people. <laughs> Funny thing about that dude is he didn't have to tell me he was God for me to know he was crazy. I knew he was crazy the minute he walked in. He was talking to himself, answering himself. He had crazy eyes. You can always tell about eyes, especially with women. Say amen, guys. Not if you're next to a woman. Don't say that. I knew before he opened his mouth he was crazy. But when he told me he was God, he solidified it. Because that's a... Crazy claim when you put that verse back up, Xander. 
I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If that is not a true statement, then it's a statement of a lunatic. Jim Jones made that claim. Lunatic. David Koresh made that claim. Lunatic. You seen the cat down in Miami right now that makes that claim? Go to YouTube and find him. Takes about two seconds of watching him to know he's crazy. If I got up on this stage and I made the claim and I told you that I was God, it would solidify what many of you have already believed. He's a lunatic. The crazy thing about those who have claimed to be God is when they died off, their claims died off. Christ died over 2,000 years ago, and yet here we still are. The claim didn't die off. Matter of fact, the claim spread like wildfire. Of the 12 disciples who followed him, 12 of them were martyrs. You say, what's a martyr? It's someone who dies for their beliefs. So other men died for the belief that Christ was who he claimed he was. They died spreading the message of Christ. And the message was he was the way, the truth, and life. No man came to the Father except through him. You don't give your life for a lunatic. If you're a lunatic, the message doesn't spread 2,000 years later. Lives are not still being changed because of it. If someone told you they were God... You would believe them as much as if I told you I was Santa Claus. The only thing I got in common with Santa is a big belly. And the longer I'm married to Christine, the beard gets a little bit wider, so I might be there one day. I might be a lunatic for making that statement, actually. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You can be a liar. You can be a lunatic. Now, if he's a lunatic, what does that make us for being here this morning and following him? Now, I told Christian the other day, crazy people don't realize they're crazy, so maybe we're all crazy and don't realize it. Christine met a woman from, well, i got to be careful how to preface this. She met a woman from my past, not a woman from my past, a lady I knew from my past. This lady was so crazy that I have told Christine many stories about her over the time. I didn't know she was back in town. She walked up to me yesterday. It took me a moment to recognize her, but the minute I recognized her, I was so excited. I said, Christine! (laughs) This is Blake! Christine's like, when I see me, I said, no, Blake! Remember, I've told you about her. She's been in my life 18 years. I introduced you, and what'd she say? I'm the normal one in the family. She comes from about the most normal family you've ever met in your life. She ain't normal. She might be the craziest woman I've ever met in my life. I'm talking about just crazy, in the head, cuckoo crazy. Like, so crazy you don't even understand what she's talking about. I said, what are you doing here? I just moved back. I said, awesome, what are you doing here? She had a basket full of teddy bears with candy canes. She said, I'm passing out these teddy bears and these candy canes to show people. And I don't know what she said she was showing people. It made no sense to me. I was like, what? And then I remembered why I loved her so much, because she was crazy. So I did what any good husband would do. I said, man, it's good to see you. I got to go, and I left her with Christine. (laughs) Now listen, my wife has been my wife for 10 years. She's seen crazy. Before she was my wife, she was Rick Cope's daughter. She seemed crazy. 
She got a crazy mama two down from her. She knows crazy. I ain't ever seen my wife literally with her jaw dropped open and her eyes this big. Because I'm watching it from the other side. I'm just, like I'm like 500 feet away behind one of the vendor tents you're watching. And Christine was like. That's how crazy she was. My point is, we know crazy. But she thought she was normal, so maybe we're all crazy and just think we're normal. I don't know. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We're creating a table here. Are we creating a table for a liar? Common sense. Are we creating a table for a lunatic? Yeah, not a real deep message today. Our C.S. Lewis said he could be Lord. Think about that for a minute. He could be the liar, a lunatic. Or he could be exactly who he claims to be. That's the only three options. If he's not the Lord, then he was a liar, he was a lunatic. Or he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. <laughs> Nobody will deny that Christ lived. And yet no one that I've ever read, even non-believing historians, refer to him as a bad person. So he's not a liar. I've never seen anything that refers to him as a crazy person, as a lunatic. Matter of fact, he was, he was considered a very articulate person, a very loving person, a very kind person, a person who was in their right mind, a person who, who was on trial and answered in boldness. There was nothing that lends us to believe he was a lunatic. He was a man who lived on this earth and was crucified. In John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If Jesus is who he says he is, then he's the only way to heaven. If Jesus is the only way to heaven, he knew the moment he made this statement that everything changed. It eliminated the religiosity of that day. The Pharisees and their rules, the Sadducees and their laws. He took all of the religion of that day and in one statement made it irrelevant because he said, I'm the way to heaven. It's a statement that leaves no doubt. It's a statement that says it's not about what you do, how you do it or who you do it to. It's about what I did. Because here's the deal. Jesus knew that we were imperfect. God knew that we were sinful. And God knew that imperfect people could not go to a perfect place, so he had to send his son to live on this earth as a perfect human being to be the sacrifice to pay the penalty for our imperfection. Hmm. Don't you hate logic? It's a rough thing. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. They say all religions are the same. Literally had someone tell me that Friday. But they're not because they're different. I'm not trying to be confrontation. I wish they were all the same. We could all just be one big happy kumbaya family around the damn campfire, baby. But that ain't how it works. Things that are different not the same. I had a man tell me, he said, all women are the same. They all crazy, but they ain't all the same. I looked at him, I, I, I said, you ever been married to a redhead? He said, I've never even dated her. I said, don't ever tell me they're the same. I got a ginger who said I do to me. They hold another level of um, different. I didn't say different was bad, I just said different. Different's good and bad for that matter. Other religions say do good and Christianity says Jesus is the way. He's a liar, he's a lunatic, or Lord. See, we need to understand something. The Bible says this in Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. 
Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. Here's what I need to tell you today. We're all screwed up. We're all messed up. We're all sinful, including the preacher. Oh, my God, did you hear about the preacher? Oh, my God, the preacher's human. You ain't got to teach a newborn baby how to lie. Little snots are born liars. They are. Start crying for no reason. Ain't nothing wrong with them. They just want you to hold them. They know if they manipulate you through crying, they're liars. Your kid becomes a toddler and they steal a cookie when they ain't supposed to eat a cookie. Did you get a cookie? No one taught them how to lie. We're born sinners. We're born in imperfection. The Bible says for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. That means everyone. Sin makes us not good. So if our good deeds get us into heaven, we're screwed. Again, who's the judge and jury on what's good? You can't be good enough to earn your way into heaven because there's no standard on what's good. Jesus made a statement that said he's the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says this in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, who's sinners? We are. While we were yet sinners, Christ already knew we were sinners. It's called preemptive forgiveness. Before we were ever born, Christ came on and said, then they're going to screw up. And I'm going to take care of it. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of what? Who sins? Sinners. Who sinners? We're sinners. The Bible says it's a payment for our sin. If I tell you to come work for me and I tell you I'll pay you $10 an hour at the end of the the week you work 40 hours and you expect a wage, a payment of $400. The wage for working. The Bible says there's a wage for our sin. See, we try to complicate the Bible. It's really not complicated. The Bible says for the wage of sin is death. That's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about a spiritual death separated from God. So the Bible says because of our sin, because of the sin of people, the payment for their sin is separation from God in a place called hell. But, but, I've told you I'm a butt man. I've told you forever, I'm going to do a series called I Like Big Butts and I Cannot Like It. There's a bunch of butts in the Bible that are awesome. Starts kind of negative. We're sinners. The payment for our sin is death. But, the gift of God is eternal life. You know what a gift is? Free. Let me tell you, speaking we're all liars, you're all going to lie to your kids over the next 30 days. If you're good, Santa will bring you gifts. That's not a gift then. If I got to be good to get it, that's a wage. You're telling me if I do A, I get B. A gift would be like, it don't matter what you do. I got a gift for you. A gift something you can't earn, you can't buy on your own. A gift is something someone says, I just had this for you, and it's here, no strings attached. The Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's a Lord. If he is the Lord, and proof seems to point that way, then we need to understand we enter into heaven through him, not us. I got good news for you guys today. Your church affiliation has nothing to do with it. That's good news because if it did, we'd all be screwed. We'd all have to go to Woodstock down there to the Johnny Dome and make sure we were cleansed right. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. We'd have to put that big B in front of our name. We wouldn't be able to say hello to each other in the liquor store. You know what I mean? Let's play the part. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So here's my point. It's not about what we do. It's about what he did. We simply get to heaven because of what he did through him. We call upon the Lord. That doesn't mean you've got to say some fancy prayer. It just means, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. I can't get there on my own. I'm sinful. I repent of my sins. I put my trust in you. If you've never done that today, I would encourage you to do it. If you've got questions about that, come find me at service. I'll be glad to answer them. But here's what it means for us who already believe. We've been left with a mission. 
This isn't something we do because it's cool. It's something we do because we believe eternity hangs in the balance and we should take it serious. That's why I emphasize to you all the time, man, you get your friends here. You get your family members here, your friends who don't attend church, and we'll make sure they hear about a God who loves them and has a purpose for life. It's a partnership. This isn't where we come just to feel better about ourselves. It's where we come to pull people from the pits of hell. You say, you really believe that? Yeah, we do. We're smoking what we're selling. There's a lot about Christianity I don't believe, as you can tell. Put that main verse back up, Z, if you can find it. But I believe that one. That's my line in the sand. I am the way. I am the truth. So what I'm telling you is, if we're going to be the table, it matters who's the head of the table. Christ is the head of what goes on around here. People tell me all the time, I just don't like this. It's not about you. Did you know I'm the pastor of this church and there's stuff that goes on around here that we do as a church that I don't really like? It's not about me. It's about him. He says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It is about making Jesus famous. It's not our job to save people. We can't save them, but we can let people know about Jesus. He said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, he'll draw people unto him. Our job is to make Jesus known and famous in a way that people can understand. The church has done a great job of making Jesus famous in a way people can't understand. People are not burned out on Jesus. They're burned out on the church. That's why we strip all that away around here. People are dying in this community without Jesus. And we have a responsibility to do all that we can to make him famous and let them know there's a table here for him. Let's pray.